Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's been a little while since we've been in touch. A lot has happened, I guess. Just a lot of school life things, but we're back and we're really excited to have a special guest, Tiffany. Yay! Thank you for having me. Welcome, Tiffany. Yeah, we are very excited to have Tiffany, and I will let her introduce herself in a little bit, but I just want to say that um, Tiffany is somebody that we kind of went to um, when we were first starting out for, like, you know, ideas and just questions, and she has been so, so helpful to us, and we're so grateful for her, and she has really contributed to this podcast, I think, more than she probably knows, Um so yeah, we are just really grateful um, that she was able to take some time out of her busy day to record with us and ask us some questions. And Tiffany, I will hand it over to you. Introduce yourself if you'd like. Thank you, Katerina. That was very sweet. Um, my name is Tiffany. I'm a fourth year at SJSU, majoring in sociology. I'm also the PR and secretary of the Pre-OT Club, and I'm very excited to be here. We're happy to have you here. We're so excited. Our first guest speaker. Yeah. (laughs) So exciting. So we're, uh, I guess, like, I just have a question for you, Tiffany. Um, Are you, like, so you're planning on going into OT, I'm assuming, if you're in the pre-OT club. Um, Are you going to jump into that application process immediately? Or are you, do you have, like, a plan for yourself or... I'm planning on taking a gap year to finish like my prereqs, especially like the hours. I think it's the most appropriate plan for me right now. Um, just to think about more about what I want, maybe like the programs and see maybe what's most appropriate for me um, with my personal life as well. Yeah. Definitely. We all approve of having some time between as you heard in the other episodes. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that episode. I think it was the second episode or third. Yeah, I think that was my favorite episode. Oh, it's a lot to think about. It definitely is a lot to think about. So yeah. it was my favorite too. Uh, I think it was the third. Okay, so I know we like surprised you with some questions, Tiffany. We turn the tables on you a little bit. Um, So I guess we're ready to kind of just jump in. We're really excited to hear your questions. I did get a sneak preview of some of them. And um, I'm really interested to to hear what you guys will say. Um, Yeah, let's let's jump in. Not Katarina getting a preview and head start of preparing. I know, what? We share the question. You do the work. I'm kidding. I'll start off with the first question. So I love how OT students are trained to be generalists who can work with all ages and populations. That's one of the many things that drew me into OT and how you aren't boxed in with the work you do, although the demands and systems might. But at the same time, that scares me because I'm wondering how you remember everything and adapt to all kinds of situations when there's so many treatments and diagnoses. So I'm sure it's like hard to remain confident. I want to know what are your thoughts about this? We definitely feel the anxiety as well. But I also think, cause we have clinic this semester and I, I, I mean, 
I don't know if our professors think differently, but I think we're all thriving. <laughs> you know, we've all kind of figured it out. And so I think that, yes, there's like a lot of things that we need to know. And depending on the setting, it's going to be so different. But I also think that every client is so different as well that you end up just having to figure it out anyway. Like you have, there's like a number of things you could choose from, but ultimately it's really up to you and that person in designing something that makes sense for them. Um, but I also know talking to a lot of OTs in the field that depend again, depending on the setting, a lot of times the stuff is just laid out for you. So someone just told me recently that like goals are in a pull down menu that you just choose from and they do, you know, very similar interventions, um, depending on the population. And so I think just wherever you go, they'll give you the training that you need. And you really just need kind of like that foundational knowledge versus like truly knowing every factor, every assessment that's out there. And I think too, like so many programs, they kind of are giving you the knowledge to be a generalist, right? And then wherever you end up is you can kind of like figure out what else you need to learn from there. And I think we kind of got good experience of that firsthand by being put in whatever clinic we were put in. Um, just because we're, I'm also, you know, throughout the semester learning about how different they really are learning about different assessments that maybe I hadn't, you know, known about previously and stuff. So I think, I think you just have to be adaptable, but it kind of comes naturally almost. Um, and it's comfortable. I, I mean, like once you're kind of in it, I feel like you're more comfortable than you think you might be the anticipation of it, I think is more overwhelming. At least it was for me. I think that's a really perfect way of putting it. I think it's like that anticipation is worse because like you, you will like come out on the other end of it in one piece and you, you know, you just gotta like hold your nose and dive in or whatever metaphor you want to say. Cause like ultimately as long as your client is safe um, and you have a rapport and they're coming, they keep coming in for session and you can, you know, have goals and measurable results of some kind, I think you're good. And one other thing I wanted to say is that um, I remember a, a peer of mine was like, well, I feel like this is so vague, you know, and she was asking our young adult professor, like, you know, it's not concrete enough. And my sense was like, yeah, you do got to hustle, you know, and that's not what the professor said. But then a few classes later, the professor was like, basically, it's winging it. But like winging it with like, like, uh, you know, like facts or like evidence or whatever behind you, like, you know, with knowledge. But it's funny because it, I think hustle is not a bad term. I don't think it's going to be used much in the academic circles. But what do you guys think? I want to like, honestly, reaffirm what everyone is saying. As much as there's this part where we feel like a lot of the theory and framework is very similar like all of them are very similar, but you know, when you're working with pediatrics versus working with older adults, you're going to be working, you're going to be considering different frames of reference. So like, you know, you're going to probably consider sensory integration for student, for um, younger kids. Whereas like I'm doing more biomechanical, you know, so I've been like m focusing more on like rehabilitative frameworks, biomechanical frameworks, where I'm sure like Melissa and Tiffany are focusing on different things. So it really depends on your setting. And like they also said, it's going to be laid out for you. Like 
you're you are kind of thrown in but it's also like you're gonna get training you're gonna get used to things as you go along you know and like what you need to research what you need to focus on definitely that was very informational um next question it's kind of a two-part question so we can do the first one and then move on to the second so applying to grad school or some sort of higher education can leave you doubting yourself. Did you feel like it was a difficult process and had doubts about your decision to go through with this? Was it an all or nothing decision or did you still have some sort of backup plan? I think it was more all or nothing for me. Like I, like, I'll be honest, I wanted to, I, growing up, I was like, oh, like I just want to be a therapist. Like I want to be a psychologist that was what I wanted to do, but PA, like, I did not want to get a PhD. I did not want to go to school for that long and do research and everything. And so I was trying to find different avenues that would give me the same kind of like fulfillment of helping people. And this is what I stumbled upon. And I think I was like, yeah, I just got to go for it, you know? Um, so for me, it was kind of that mentality. And I think it is a bit scary. And I, uh, definitely was very nervous in the process, but obviously it all worked out. I don't recommend it to anyone, but I remember there was like a movie where someone was saying how they like purposely didn't have a backup plan because it meant like you had to go full force and like pursue whatever you had decided on. I don't know if I necessarily believe in that, but, <laughs> but for me, same thing, like it was an all or nothing thing for me. Cause I was going to have my baby. Like I really couldn't go out of state like I only applied to um, San Jose State because it was the closest one and the most affordable one and so if I didn't get in I don't know I guess I'd go back to teaching but um, in my mind it that wasn't really an option it was kind of like I need to make this happen and luckily I got in and I don't know maybe having that mentality might be helpful actually. <laughs> I think um, when when I was doing it, I was like, okay, I'm going to apply. And if I don't get in, then, you know, I'll just reapply next year <laughs> and like, see how it goes. And, and I, a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's not uncommon to, you know, get rejected and have to go through the whole mm-hmm. process, you know, that's totally normal and does not mean that that's that, like that path is not for you, you know, uh, And I was fully ready for that. And I think after doing the GRE, I took the GRE multiple times and I was just like, oh, I'm so over this. Like, I really hope this is the last time I have to take it, you know? And I took it three times until I was happy with where I was. And, and, uh, you know, and that was really hard. And I can't, I can't imagine what that would have been like with the whole application, but I probably would have done it still. Yeah, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but um, Dr. Smith, who does admissions, she, I remember I went to one of the info sessions and I think she actually shared that like people went to her and said, you know, I didn't get in, like, what can I work on? And I think she was actually very open about it. And so it wasn't like, if you get rejected that this is it, you know, like there's always an opportunity to go and figure out what you need to work on it. And they seem to be open to um, multiple applicants or applying multiple times. So it's not as stressful when you think about it that way. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of was similar with uh, Melissa where it was kind of an all or nothing thing. I was pre-med and then I dropped out of pre-med because of just like many issues with that and how it just didn't align with me. 
And then I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. One friend was like, do OT. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what OT is that much. I like how it sounds. It's a therapist. You work with people one-on-one, which I really liked and was really important for me. So I kind of put all my eggs in my basket. And from that moment, like my late my junior year of undergraduate, I was like, I'm going to be an OT. And I rushed everything and learned about everything super, super fast. Um, so I didn't really give it a second thought where I was like, what is my backup plan if I don't get into this, into this, which could be a little, I don't want to say dangerous, but, or risky, but it was just like, I didn't really have a backup plan. Um, and I, just to answer the other part of your question, when I was applying, I definitely was like, wow, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm like good enough. I don't know if I have all the right things for it. Um, So definitely the imposter syndrome started very early for me, like without even being in the program. I was like, oh gosh, like, you know, maybe if this doesn't work out, then I don't know. I don't know. I'm just hoping and praying that it does. I didn't really even like give myself time to think too much about it because I just couldn't imagine all that time, like not working out. So I just pretend pretended that it it simply just would. (laughs) It's funny how the application process like totally makes you question yourself. I definitely had like constant moments where I'm like, I am not good enough. Like everyone has 3000 hours, you know, or like, what am I even doing with my life? I'm clearly not at the top of the game, but, and it was funny because everyone around me was like, no, you're going to get in. Like everyone else was so sure of it. Whereas the more they said it, the more I'm like, you have no idea what I'm missing, <laughs> you know, just questioning myself constantly. I think that also, I don't know if you guys got this feedback too, but I just always heard, you know, like, okay, grad school, it's hard. It's really hard. And I'm like, okay, like, but I just like couldn't imagine it, like how hard it would really be. And so I think that also made me nervous, just not knowing what to expect and, um, I think that like kind of was like looming over my head. I was like, oh man, how am I going to, you know, get through it? It just like, I was so exhausted when I was in undergrad. How am I going to be more tired? You know, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's a different, it's different in a lot of ways. So I just wanted to uh, round out that cycle and say that um, I also had like no fallback plan. But, you know, like, did I do it, like, the most efficiently? Like, no, I realized, like, I took chem by accident. Um, so, like, it was high stakes, but it was, wasn't the most effective. Um, but it was efficient because it got me to where I wanted to be and more or less, right? Like, and um, I actually did not say this prior in a podcast, but I did not pass neuroanatomy the first time. Um, and so I actually was held back a year from the time that I wanted to start the program. Because I went and I took UCLA's program after I did, you know, um, the one at our uh, in San Jose State. It was meant to be. Was it? It was meant to be. I know. Like, and of course, my family's panicking, like, you know, and, you know, I think they were afraid I would give up or, but you just live your life. You can't wait on, you know, things to go faster than they actually naturally do. So you got to just, um, be present you know not to sound cliche but like and I think that's what we were appreciating about you uh, Tiffany is like being aware of that like 
you know, there's not really, sometimes there's no way to speed things up. And sometimes you just, you got to like learn things the hard way or, you know, redo them or whatever. And you have to forgive yourself and, and focus on, you know, the next thing that you're, you know, the future, facing future. So that's, that's all. I was going to say, like, I love um, so many things you all said. I think it's so easy to get wrapped up with this and overthink things and you begin doubting yourself and question like whether you should go through with this but I'm like so happy it all worked out for you all do you feel a little better <laughs> for yourself I do I think one of the things I'm most nervous about of the application process is the GRE I appreciate oh. what Melissa said yeah it was and I think too, it's, it's interesting because I, I mean, I have my own set of opinions on standardized testing that I like won't hop into right now, but I think, I think it, it really can take a toll, you know, because you're like, okay, I'm not scoring how I want to be scoring. And I felt super defeated after the second time I took it. And I was like, oh, I don't, I can't use this or like I don't want to use this you know um I felt mm. so defeated and just unworthy of like even applying right and so I think yeah wow. it's it's important to talk about it I because everyone just thinks oh yeah everyone was perfect on their first go with it you know and it's just simply not the case at all so yeah I think it's also good to have like some sort of support system as you're going through the process too. Like I was one of those that I applied one year, but I only applied to one school. I applied to USC my first round, I didn't get it. And then my next round, it was like, well, my contract for work was ending. So I have to, I have to get into a school. So I literally applied, I applied to so many schools because I was like, I have to get into at least one of these. Um, I made this whole like spreadsheet like, I don't know if you want it, but it's actually pretty detailed if I do say myself so myself. <laughs> um, but, and then I remember getting my first rejection. It was, I don't remember what school, I think it was either Nevada or Toro. I, but it basically said something like, oh, because your GPA doesn't meet the requirement, we're gonna not even look at your application essentially. And it was so like disheartening. Like I literally like, broke down because I think I was having a conversation with one of my with a group of my students about like because we were talking about our futures and um you know our, the decisions we make and I was like really thinking about man because my grades before I changed my major were so bad like like I was really regretting a, like in a state of regret from some of my decisions and just like wallowing just like wow I'm not good enough like they didn't even look at everything else like I tried so hard to like build my package to be better and it was just it I just remember feeling so overwhelmingly depressed and sad like it was it was a really weird like thing for me because I don't really cry like that but it was just a really tough time during that time because it just I don't know yeah so I but thankfully I had a really good support system to you know talk to about it you know and to reassure me and you know sometimes you do need that right and to help reflect on where you are and 
maybe that just meant that program's not for you. And then, you know, look at where I am now. So thankfully I'm in this program, but it's going to be a lot of up and down, especially if, you know, you do have those doubts. So be prepared to have the, that support set up, you know, it's not easy. Yeah. And I just want to say that this is coming from someone who I personally know to be such a hard worker, someone who's super intelligent, super organized, just incredible in so many facets. Um, so Wait, are I guess you talking about me? Uh, yes, I'm talking about you. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, like things are weird. Things are just really weird. Things are unexpected. Like, like, don't cry, Elaine. No more crying. <laughs> um, everyone experiences rejection, and I'm not saying it's fair or that it's a good thing, but I'm just saying that it is good to have that kind of support system. People who know how worthy you are, people who know how capable you are, because even if a school does not see it that does not determine your entire worth um at all uh yeah so i just wanted to make that note about elaine and you know maybe it was fate you're here now and also just i know a lot of people in this program who applied multiple multiple times so you know all those future uh. out there you know just know that they work their butt off and they have so much passion for this that they, you know, face rejection multiple times and still decided to go through with it because they care that much about this profession. Exactly. Yeah, I'm wondering if we're just like inherently resilient or I think there, maybe there is something about, about that. I don't know, for further marinate, marination. Marination. <laughs> But like you will be made to feel small one way or another, which is a good takeaway because I would say that, you know, when I didn't pass the, that neuro class, like I like I was told like, well, like we only it's because like our bar is that high and like you really need to be ready and you need to know your shit. And it's like, I think the point of saying that was like, hey, this is like where we are at, at the program. And it was like being proud of, you know, the status of the San Jose State program, but it was definitely dim diminishing to me. <laughs> but I wasn't cutting it. Yeah. Shall we move on? Next question. All right. I was going to follow up with that. Like, what was like the most difficult part of the application process for you? Um, like the GRE personal statement, letter of recommendations, and maybe what were some resources you found most helpful during that time? I know we probably covered a lot of that in the first part. So maybe we can make this one shorter. I can answer. I don't know why I say it like that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm processing. <laughs> um, well, okay. So the hardest part for me was the fact that every single school had different requirements. That was so hard to keep track of. My advice is to, like, probably Elaine has, has like, maybe, like, 100 of these, like, an Excel sheet of each school, their requirements set that up. And I know UC Davis OT page already has one. Um, UC Davis page has one with um, just schools in California. 
and then it has like um, each class and then the number of units you need for that class. So that's a resource um, because, you know, the, the websites are honestly pretty difficult to navigate, I guess, for me, for someone who is so technologically um, just really bad technologically wise. Te technology-wise. <laughs> Anyways. They're, they're not intuitive. I agree with that. It was so hard to find things. It's so difficult. And uh, so that was really hard. And the number one thing that helped me was having a mentor. Um, my advisor, she's just like an academic advisor. She was also a student, which I didn't realize, which I feel really dumb for not knowing, but she was um, a fourth year student. I was a third year student. She's now going to USC for OT, um, so the doctorate program. And having her by my side, I mean, she's one of the main reasons why I got into OT, knew about anything about OT and got into the graduate program. Um, and she helped me after she graduated too. So she was no longer an advisor. Um, which was super super kind um so mill if you're if you're listening which you know you're probably not thanks girl um <laughs> <laughs> having a mentor and someone <laughs> the ropes uh, was really helpful for me which i know not a lot of people are you know blessed to like have a mentor um but yeah that's my very short long answer or long short answer anyways who's next <laughs> Yeah, um, I have a spreadsheet and I actually share it with a lot of other like people who um, not just OT like grad graduate students, like people who just want to apply to schools. It was very helpful because I like bookmarked so many schools, but then I would just be opening all these tabs and then I was like, okay, but which one is which and which one did I finish? So I created an Excel sheet, which is being organized, especially if you're going to apply to a lot of schools. And then another thing was... Um, the personal statement, I felt like that would have been one of my strongest pieces, especially since I didn't feel very strongly with my like GRE score or my grades. Um, and I would recommend, now this is the student affairs background in me, I would recommend definitely utilizing your writing center at your school, at your um, college, because it's free. It should be free, I think, at least at San Jose State is, UCLA is too. Um, like do, doing drop-ins, multiple appointments. I had friends who were like in like academic affairs and stuff and they would read my like professor friends and they would read my personal statement and give me feedback. So that was really helpful. So if you have anyone who's like familiar with admissions or like um, things like, or like we're really good at writing and storytelling, it was really helpful because I'm, I'm definitely a procrastinator, but that was something I really tried to focus because I couldn't be like, hey, can you read this? I have to submit it tomorrow. So that's definitely something you have to plan in advance. Um, but it was really helpful to really craft my story and, um, you know, why, why OT was important to me. I think that was one of the big things that stood out for me, those two. I think I'll go ahead and agree with, um, with Katarina. I think for me, it was just like trying to make sure I checked all the boxes I needed to. And the portal that you use to submit your applications is seriously so confusing. And because the deadlines are all different too, you really just have to have everything done early, right? Um, for the most part. And I think another thing that kind of frustrated me too was 
I guess this might, I don't know, this probably doesn't apply to all schools. Maybe it does. I don't know. But we had to have rec a recommendation from a professor. And I just thought that was a really awful requirement. Um, I was only a couple years, like three years removed from undergrad and I had no one. And I can imagine for people who had been, you know, out of undergrad for longer, that was really difficult to get and is frankly just not fair <laughs> at all for people who you know have like had like Tiffany was a teacher like had a whole other career between these things right and I don't know Tiffany if this was a difficult <clears throat> thing for you I had to take prereqs so I, I was just looking at Tiffany <laughs> um yeah so I don't know <laughs> that that just really frustrated me and I ended up obviously I ended up getting one but just the organization of it all. Like I had a spreadsheet too, but I was just nervous. I was going to miss something. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I feel like it was probably the personal statement for me, but I, I only applied to the one school. So I can't relate to the other challenges, but I think looking back now, I probably wouldn't have spent as much time as I did on it. Um, after I had like gone through, you know, tumultuous editing process with like eight different people the very end one of my really good friends who had applied to a million med schools um she I think she had been in touch with like a lot of admissions people who read essays and they basically told her you know there's like probably one percent of people that like write essays that just really you know um that blow them away and like everyone else they're really just looking for someone that has like a decent paper, you know? And I think hearing that, I was like, okay, for sure. I'm not in that 1%. Like I'm just, my experiences aren't um, that unique. And so knowing that it was like, okay, I could have just focused on writing about my experience and being like honest to that and not worry so much about writing this, like, you know, just traumatic piece that would blow people away. And I think you could probably, you know, um, stress a lot less thinking about it that way that like you don't need to be top of the line you just really need to be authentic and show them that like you have the experience and you or have thought about it deeply versus um, that you know you came across this profession and you just want to try it out right I think it comes across um, in your writing if you just show that you've really done your research and you know for sure that it fits your personality and what you want to do mm -hmm. I think I think that's great I I think, I, I, I mean, I'm a little bit shook to hear that you had eight editors. Um, I mean, you know, you, you just wanted to, to make it foolproof. The, the, uh, but but um, I, I also, I was going to second Elaine too, that I did have someone help me out um, who, you know, was a friend at the time and who was very insistent upon uh, helping me, you know, with, with whatever I was struggling with in relation to the, um, to the application, to the application. Um, so anyway, um, but it doesn't, I feel like, like there's that middle, right? I think the takeaway is like, you don't need to build yourself up to, to like, you know, give yourself more anxiety or like a higher bar because you're, you feel like you're not enough. Like you're enough if you have thought about it and you demonstrate that like your path has been leading you here and this is what you want to do. Just to, just before we move on to the next question, I remembered, um, I think, we have UC Davis has like this huge uh, thing each year, like a career fair each year. And then um, they had actually um, some people, I think it actually it was Dr. Gigi Smith was there. I'm realizing that now I met her like maybe a year or two before I got into the program and she was there talking about the application process. And she was saying the main things about 
the personal statement that they see where they immediately are just like, no, this person's not good, is they don't know what OT really is. Um, so oh, know what OT is, sense. make it abundantly clear that you know what it is. Um, and then also like, because everything else is so academic and kind of like sterile, I guess, being just like very yourself in the paper. I know it has to be like professional, um, whatever that means. Um, it has to be professional, but you know, really doing your best to have your personality come through. And that's, those were her two tips coming from Dr. Gigi Smith herself, so. I kind of want to go read mine. <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> or each other's. <laughs> Not each other's, no one can read mine. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Okay, now we can move on. It's the next question, sorry. I was going to say that I feel like the letter of, um, not the letter of rec, um, the personal statement um, might be overwhelming because I just feel like I don't know where to start. Like, I feel like there's so much to write and at the same time, like, not a lot to write. So. And they gave you so little space, at least for San Jose State. Oh my gosh, trying to edit that thing into one page was insane. All right, future Elaine here, or is it present Elaine? Anyway, editor Elaine here. Thank you all for listening to part one of our Q&A series with Tiffany T, our resident pre-OT student. Any links we mentioned in this episode, such as my grad school app Excel sheet or the UC Davis checklist can be found in the episode description. Um, I know we ended this episode on an odd note, but part two, which is a bit longer and why we decided to split up this episode is gonna cover advocating for the profession of OT, what we are looking forward to as future practitioners and some advice for people who are looking to apply to OT school or just looking into OT as a profession. I also have some announcements to share with you all. Um, While you wait for us to release part two, I am happy to announce that we now have an Instagram. Yay, social media. So on our Instagram, you can get notifications about new episodes or resources we might mention in our podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at what you ought to know. That's at what you OT to know. And if you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future episodes, you can direct message us there or you can email us at what you ought to know at gmail.com. That is what you OT to know at gmail.com. So lastly, in addition to Anchor and Spotify, you can now also listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So don't be shy and give us a rating, some comments, and follow us on those platforms to get notifications for new episodes. Thank you all for listening and see you next time for part two. Bye.